Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to look at figuring out silage yields from a corn grain estimate. In our spotlight, we're going to look at lumber and cheese prices, how they are tied together. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about Agco Alice. In our Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll wrap things up with some current events. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So, did any of you guys watch the Field of Dreams game and see Kevin Costner leading the teams out of the cornfield? Didn't watch it. Didn't. But I, I just saw, saw the clip the of that clips. later. It was yeah. pretty cool. Well, I, I watched the game, like the end yeah. of the game, eighth, ninth inning. and Oh, so you saw the walk-off? Oh, I wa- yeah, it, it was you one of the best in- endings to a game I've like ever seen. The go-ahead and then the walk-off? I, oh, man. Yeah, the Yan- so the Yankees in the ninth were down by a run, and they went up by a run, so they had like a go-ahead homer, and you're like, well, the Yankees are going to win, and like the 8,000 fans there kind of... I don't know who people were cheering for because it seemed like all 8,000 fans were excited for both teams. So if the Iowa people there were just like, yay, we have baseball. Yay, have and then there was a walk-off home run by... What's better for Iowa is they have baseball and it's in a cornfield. Yeah. Well, it, the thing is, is the tickets were like, you know, $4,000 a piece or whatever. So I don't imagine there was a lot of like real... No. Like high baseball fan. Like I think there was probably I, just people that it... That, there because it was cool, you know, right. more than hey, no, that is too bad in a way that it was that expensive. That kind of sucks. The other thing I heard is there was a uh, there was a um, like a storm that came through right before, and they had to artificially put I, all the corn back up with like fence posts. Yeah, they're all on rods. They said I was wondering about that. Like, first of all, how much nitrogen got pumped onto that field <laughs> to make it look green? And oh, stay it looks green. awesome. That corn looked awesome. And I'm, I'm watching a video here off this article and. There's like one random dead plant <laughs> in one of their promotional <laughs> videos. Like, oh, somebody got fired for that. Didn't, didn't pull out. Did you see here the the? It was DeKalb fifty eight thirty four refuge nice. in a bag is what the corn was. So yeah, I'm surprised DeKalb that was pretty I'm sure they paid. To I'm be in really there. surprised that the cornfield in Iowa was DeKalb. DeKalb. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. That never happens. No, yeah, it was. I was wondering that too. Like. I wonder how much time and effort went into making sure that corn looked perfect day of the game. Corn growers had like a right behind home plate. It had a it was basically on one side it just said "Field the Dreams" and that neck the other side it was National Corn Growers. Oh, nice! So that was pretty sweet. They had a oh sure, you could see it right right back there. So that was neat. A lot of you know John Deere, a lot of other companies were advertising. You know, farm company. So that was really cool. Weather was good too. Like, could you imagine if they had like not perfect weather? Yeah, it would, it would be pretty rough. Yeah, the Draco hit during the game. But yeah, the 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 shots of cornfields was just awesome. I mean, like the the corn was the star that night. <laughs> Very cool. Corn won MVP. And they're doing it again next year, so it must have been good. The rumors: Cubs, Reds. I don't Reds? think it's a rumor anymore. I think it's that's a, going on. Yeah, Reds and just, Cubs it should be Cubs Cardinals if you're going to do Cubs, right? Or Cubs Brewers is a bigger. Cubs. I mean, it kind of yeah. depends. They want to do it that week, so it kind of depends who's available that yeah. week. Well, and 
Cubs aren't going to be any What's good the next point year? of that week? You, like the that's corn's obviously like, that good. It's, but the, it's where the corn is where they want it. Yeah, right. You can't do it in like June. Right. <laughs> that would be really yep. walking out of knee high o- corn. O- does opening not work. Day, opening day at Field of Dreams. <laughs> yeah. just we're a big we're planting corn in February. We get cr- fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought it was cool. I just. I feel like this MLB, like they did something right, so I'm just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop here. Where next year it's going to be in a soybean field or something stupid like that. Yeah, are they going to rotate this field? I mean, as agronomists, yeah, I think we should watch <laughs> out for the field here. Next year we got corn rootworm problem. Uh, yeah, I, just, I can't imagine they ever rotate it <laughs> before. If the field is always there, no, and you true. go play mm-hmm. baseball and you want to play in a cornfield, it'll be soybeans except for like the first ten rows. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Since 1989, when that film was filmed, I'm sure it's been corn on corn yeah, for yeah. the whole time. You don't yeah. go to see the Field of Dreams. Look at it being soybeans. <laughs> no. And they um, didn't say. They just said if you build it, they will come. They didn't say it had to be corn. It, that was not like a, true. If it has like tar spot real bad next year, <laughs> they're doing it. Maybe they'll it'll rotate rotate into wheat, and it'll be the field of cream of wheat. Yes, instead of the field of dreams. But the but dead people. Coming out of soybean fields doesn't have the same ambiance as definitely not dead as cool baseball players coming out of corn. Below your head level, yes, it's not. They're crawling out. Yeah. Be easier to find the balls though after the game. Yeah, true. So I'm sure there are a few that ended up in the corn. Yeah, there's a lot. There's like people out there grabbing them. I don't know. A combine cool. wheat field would be actually kind of cool too, if it was like the perfect time where it was perfectly gold all the way around you. That yeah. would be kind of cool. It's fun. They'll do it till it gets stale. I bet now they'll just every year. I, that's why I'm worried about how cool the ga- the game was so good, the corn looks so good, everything was so good that it's just downhill from here on this yeah. idea. Like it's they, already unless peaked. they make it like every couple of years, I, right? Start, just, and and now they, that they built this separate stadium just for this, it you just can't you can't recreate a go ahead in the top of the ninth and a walk off in the bottom. No, like, that's not a. And they had Costner come out first and just yep. like stare off in the space like he did in the movie and kind of did that for five minutes. That'll get weird the second year. More Kevin Costner, please. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Costner must be hard up for money. Still yeah. paying off Waterworld. Oh, no geez. way. No way he's hard up. Yellowstone. He always gives me crap for yeah, mixing up Kevin Costner and, and Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which I, I contend do not look anything like. But. I, and I don't know why. Is that like Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise? Eh, maybe, maybe it's just a yeah. I confuse them, but that's not because they look alike. It's just because they have the same name. I know yeah. they're both Tom. There's a ra- local radio station that does it on purpose. Oh, and then people call in and they're like, "Oh, I thought it was this." It's first first they listen like, to the show, huh? Yeah, it's like, no, you moron, we do it on purpose. You just don't get it. Because Tom Cruise was in Top Gun. Yes. No, Tom Hanks was in Top Gun. Yes. That, that would be really funny to have Tom Hanks like... Tom Cruise was with Wilson. Just deep faked Wilson. into Tom Cruise movies. But hey, how about your brewers? I stayed up late last night to watch. It was fun. Yeah, when I w- was... I tuned in and it was like eighth inning and they were down 2 nothing. No, 3 nothing. 3 no- Yeah, and... Then they won five to three. So Garcia and Council got kicked out of the game in the bottom of the ninth. And then Narvaez, I th- no, Narvaez got kicked out. 
and then I think Garcia came up the next pitch and just tanked one into the. Wow. What'd they get thrown for? I didn't watch last night. It was a high strike. Rung him up on a bad call. Arguing balls and strikes. Yep. And then I think Garcia came up and just put one in the homered. It's tied a game. And then 10th inning, Yelich actually bunted, bunted home. Well, the fifth well, run, not the well, fourth Because the 10th inning still, they're putting a yeah, guy at second. Yeah, at second. I love that. Do you guys like that? Eh. It's all right. Come on. It speeds up these the games. games. Yeah, these yeah. games are like 13, 14 innings always. Yeah. It means now they're finishing I, 10 to 11. I like the Yelich strategy. The uh, He can't swing the bat, so just <laughs> yeah. make him hold the bat. <laughs> yeah, bunt it. Yeah, the, I forget who had a, a like a, a chopper and the pitcher overthrew it. So Jackie was... JBJ was at Jackie second. Jackie. He went to third and didn't score on the overthrow. And they're like, what's going on? And then there was a wild pitch that went off um, catcher's face mask. And who was the Yadier. And he got up and he like slammed his helmet down as hard as he could because he missed the ball. And then the, the winning run scored. scored. And then on the next pitch, um, maybe two pitches later, that's when Yelich laid the bunt down because – the guy on the overthrow made it all the way to third on the pass ball, so he came in with the be the fifth run, and then Peterson had a shot to le- to right field. The guy misplayed it. The ball went flying, and Yelich scored from first on a single, and that and was you the get sixth up, run. You get up six three. Or, yeah, I mean that's I, game. That's I, awesome. Is Craig Council in running for manager of the year? He's almost got to be. Think, think, think how low expectations were at and the beginning of the think year. Think of like how he managed through when we, two or three years ago, when we made it to, and the Dodgers beat us. Yep. And it was this bullpen, yep. and bullpenning and all that. We, and like how he's managing now. Half is, our team was gone for COVID, and we won I, And he's still winning. Games. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. He's, it, our best hitter, Yelich, has got the yips yeah. right now, and we're still winning. Like He is just... Managing the awesome. yips is an understatement, dude. He's horrible. <laughs> he, he's still batting like third. Well, he's walking. The pro- what he's doing is walking and playing really good defense. So yeah, he's batting really high in the order yet, though, for a guy who is. can't hit the ball. But he's getting on base. His OBS is really good. Yeah, but they're like ten games up now, and I think it's the highest they've ever been up on another team was like ten and a half. Well, um, this is ever. this is this is a team in wow. second place. The Cardinals yeah. are right. The Cards are in second place. No, the Reds are. Oh, Red, the Reds yeah, are. Reds. Cardinals aren't a bad team, though. You know, no. you're beating a good team right now. And the, and these are the teams that always seem to have our number. Like the Cardinals right. do this to us yeah. every year, not not I, the other way. I still every time we're good, I just wait for August to hit and the Cardinals to just go on like a yeah, twenty out of twenty one catches from behind, like. Yeah, until we're in the playoffs and they're at home, I just don't feel comfortable because they're like, what if they if playoffs started today? They'd be number second in the MLB, right? I they would, would imagine the, two the seed, Giants are still ahead of yeah, them. Yeah, Giants are quite yeah. a bit ahead too. That'll be well. The the Giants series really killed us. It's going to be hard to catch them now. Yeah, they took two out of three from us. Yeah, and two, and we probably should have swept. I mean, they were not. They were not games where they played better than us. It was kind of... Yeah, they're four games ahead yet. Yeah, they're going to be hard to That's catch because we're not going to play them again, right? No. They get It's really hard to catch the guys in front of you without playing them. Yeah. Unless they go... 
absolute catastrophe. To, you're right. They'd have to Tec- totally. Too, the Dodgers are, but in baseball, the second team in your, the Dodgers are one win ahead of us right now. But they'll be the wild card. Right. In baseball, yeah, that doesn't, it wouldn't work. Out. Think of that if you're being the Dodgers and you're playing that good and the Giants are still ahead of you. Either way, Brewers are Brewers are awesome. It's been fun. Be, it'd be awesome to see you know the Bucks win a title, the Brewers win a title, the Packers win a title. It'd be a good three, year. Three parade year. Now, now that you've jinxed it, thanks. Three parade year. I don't think I'm year. the first guy no. to jinx it. There, there's definitely people at, at the uh, Burger Fest parade. Just walking up, I heard some guys that were playing like basketball on the side, you know, just shooting around. And this one bro to this other bro, they were total tods, <laughs> but they were like, dude. Like, we could do it this year. And the other bro is like, what What are we doing? And he's like, the Brewers want it. Or the Brewers, you know, could win it. And the Bucks won. And the Packers are going to win it. Last, we're we're la- doing it. Last night, one of the guys I'm coaching football with did like, the whole, like, the Bucks did it. The Brewers are going to do it. The Packers are going to do it. He goes, I think the Badgers have a pretty good chance. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> he went for the. He meant, he meant just getting the playoffs. And I'm like, maybe. But yeah, I still no. doubt it. Because we're not even going to be, we're going to be the third or fourth best team in the Big Ten. Right. I mean, at best. That's just another level of, like, those four top teams are so much better than everybody else that it's not even. Graham Mertz is going to figure it out. You know, we're just going to be better. And I'm just like, <laughs> Graham Mertz would have to be Aaron Rodgers for us to figure it out, I think. We can do a lot with three-star players, but when all of Ohio State is five-star players. Yeah, when their entire team gets drafted in the first three rounds, you're right. kind of in trouble. Right. A little bit. And our, and our hometown boy, our hometown Badger, got cut. Got, got cut this week. It's tough. I was at the game, uh, the yeah. Packer game, and he went through warmups and he didn't play at all. So I was like, mm. yeah, he's. Probably I was not, looking for him. He's probably not making her. Nope. Then Landon played like the whole fourth quarter. Ben Landon will make team, but he was drafted. So. Yeah. For those who don't know who you're talking about, it's John John Deetson got cut from the Packers on Monday. Yeah. Yep. Adam Coon got cut too. I don't know you guys don't know who that is, but Adam Kuhn got cut. No, John Kuhn's brother. No, spelled different. But he's <laughs> uh, a wrestler. Kuhn. He's a wrestler from Michigan and for Team USA, and they just like gave him a contract. They're like, "Here you go, play football. Like you're awesome." And what did he do? What was his position? A uh, guard, I think. He's a gigantic. He's a monster just, of a human. Sure. Yeah. Tim Tebow was also cut this week. Yes, he's sad. Todd is very sad yeah. today. He could not uh, could not make it as make a it as a tight end. He didn't look like he knew how to play football, so. He bulked up for it, though. Yeah, least. that was good. He's a playoff quarterback, so I don't know what you guys, why you would knock him. I'm pretty sure I don't have anything <laughs> on the top of my head. I'm pretty sure I could pull out some. Is Rex Grossman a playoff quarterback at some point, too? <laughs> Gross Rexman. Yeah, Nick, Fole, Nick Foles is a playoff quarterback. Yes, Nick MVP. Foles is a Super Bowl champion. Big MVP. Nick, and he's the third-string quarterback in Chicago right now. Yep. Wasn't he MVP that year, the Super Bowl? Yeah. Super Bowl MVP, yeah. Philly special. The Philly special, yeah. He wasn't a league MVP. Showed he, he could catch played. better than Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. In the same game. In the same I'm game. Trying to think who the worst quarterback is who would be a Super Bowl quarterback or a playoff quarterback. Trent Dilfer. Well, the worst worst Super Bowl quarterback from the standpoint of Jeff his play had really ter- gone down terribly because of his neck injury would be Peyton Manning. Yeah, there's no way you would expect Peyton Manning at the end of his career to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, was, he was bad that year. That was Tim Tebow's team. But he at least, God, God. <laughs> all right, that's enough. Uh, no, I've it had enough now. It was God. never Tim Move Tebow's on. team. <laughs> I've, I've had enough. Peyton Todd was drinking this morning no. before we recorded. I guess <laughs> the Tim no, Tebow but, sauce. But you're right. That shows how 
bad Tim Tebow was at a quarterback. It's the right. team around him. You didn't yeah. need you just a guy who literally could throw. <laughs> well, look at like it was without a glove on. Look at the Saints He's guy at the end the here. Uh, Drew Brees. Brees. He could not throw no. at all past you know like ten yards. Yeah, and it was I, like that. With and Peyton Tim Tebow Manning. was like that, but. Twenty years younger, <laughs> right. and he could so, run, right. and that was that was yeah, different. Right. I, I would like to see a. Uh, That's like all he a, did in Florida. I would like to see like a SC featured or something on uh, the the Gators team that had Tebow Hernandez. Ooh. Uh, That's like the total like <laughs> that dichotomy. Yeah, well, yeah. Like if you go through, the Pouncey brothers were there. Really, um, all at the same time. It's like an insane list of people that were playing there at Florida at that time, and and then. Uh, the Florida Gators basketball team was winning national titles too. Like that school just had to be buzzing. The Joachim. So it's the over under on a couple of years from now, Tim Tebow and Johnny Menzel team up to start their own league. Like XFL style. Oof. Oof. Johnny Manziel did find Jesus. So did he now? I don't know. <clears throat> up in Canada. Spent some time up there with uh, Mike Sherman. The, what was it? The Alouettes, Montreal Alouettes. Alouettes. I just remember I was at a wedding, and they happened to have that football game on, and I was like, "Wait, this is CFL. That's Johnny Manziel, and who, the coach is Mike Sherman. What is going on? Am I in the Twilight Zone?" Yes. All right, yes, you. You guys ready to get into some silage talk? Yep. The season is nearly upon us when corn silage will be harvested. So. Today we're going to talk a little bit about how to convert from your grain estimate to your silage yield. So, Todd, what do you yeah, got? So, for a us? lot of times when guys are selling corn silage, you kind of need to find a way to base, you know, how to get that equivalent. And you know, when you're pricing things, you usually use say Chicago price or some sort of local elevator price. Well, they don't have a silage price; they have a grain price. So, we kind of got to use equivalents. And uh, what was neat is looking back is this research first started in 1972. So it's nearly 50-year-old kind of research. So back, you know, in UW put together a bulletin, A1178, you know, back in the day is this must have been a question they got already at that time. And what's the equivalent sort of bushel of grain dry equivalents to ton of silage? So back when that research was done, it was Jorgensen and Crowley did it in 1972. Wasn't Joe Lauer back in 72? Yeah. He, he, he's been there forever. He's been there forever, but not quite that long. <laughs> Conley would like us giving him crap about that. Uh. All right, cool bean if you're listening. Yeah. And um, back then, the, they kind of did it based on less than 90 bushel, which, to be honest, back then surprised me that that was sort of the bottom that they used. And then they had ranges 90 to 110, kind of based up to over 150. So it was kind of these ranges. And what they found is under 90 bushel, it was 5 bushel per ton. And then, like, over 150, it was 7 bushel a ton. And it kind of was within that range. Um, But what this is going to show us, too, is as our yields evolve and we get better, that stock doesn't necessarily change. You know, it's not necessarily like 150 bushel corn plant stock is that much different than a 220 bushel corn plant. So it, it can be, but um, it, this shows that when you get under that, it, that it is different. So um, basically that publication first started this use of sort of the seven bushel per ton equivalent. That's where that original, if you hear that number, because that's the number I hear the most. Yep. Yep. 
A lot of people use the seven. Yeah, that's that's the publication that kind of started that. Um, and they're using, you know, 15.5% grain moisture and then 60 to 60, 62 to 68 corn silage moisture. So th- those are still kind of true today. Yep. Um, but then that's evolved to Joe Lauer's research um, in 97, 98. So which is still, if you think about a long time ago, yeah, that was when, yeah, I don't know if that's when Joe first started or not, but he used his... Um, half as much more, like 25 years right, ago. Right. He used his kind of corn plots to... He had 253 samples that basically the method they used was they harvested the silage and then left the remainder of the plot for full maturity for grain yield. So... That's the method. They, I couldn't really find the methodology. So if, of, so if there were four row plots, he, he harvested two, two and left two? Correct, yeah. So Har- of that if it's nature. two row, he harvested one for silage, left sure. one for grain. Um, I couldn't find the Jorgensen and Crowley exactly like how they did the research, um, but this Joe had it all lined up and explained. And So one thing to think about that way is sort of plant physiological you would have that you potentially at, you know, because you're taking it at half milk line when you're taking silage, and then at grain, you had a little bit more growing to get to grain. Yep. So this study would probably overestimate, you know, slightly overestimate actual grain yield per ton of silage because at the time of siling, it's going to be different than the time of grain harvest. Yeah. Siling and so graining. So that might be... Th- you know, his research showed kind of in that range of seven and a half to eight bushels per ton. Um, and I mean, he had a wide range of stuff between 25 bushel and 250 bushel corn. Um, and, and he had a range of bushels per ton, but in general, it showed that, you know, like at 100 bushels, it was 7.5 bushels per ton. At 150, it was eight bushels per ton. At 175, it was 7.9. So, um, you know, it, there is this sort of fudge factor or a little bit of a of a difference that way. And, and one of the things, like I said, to think about is the main reason his might be 7.5 to 8 and the other ones might be 7 is because the grain went to sort of full maturity. Um, so you could have that little bit of difference that way. So the, the newest way or a, a new way I found that a newer method is using starch content in the feed sample. So you have to chew on the kernels and yes, determine and the you, starch content? You, you, no, you have to actually eat the silage, Matt. Oh, you have to then, eat the silage and then, then you have to determine the, the, the starch content of the A manure silage. sample to yes. see what your body process is. Yes. Um, it's getting personal. Yeah, it's like eating sweet corn <laughs> where you have the <laughs> a couple days well, after. I got, a question. I got a question about that. How come when you eat eat it, you crunch up all the kernels, and they come out and they're whole again. I don't yeah, understand. I don't know how they can do Your that. body just puts them back together. Yes. Like, no, we don't, want, we don't want any of this. Just please, yeah, here. <laughs> Gross. The, um, so this method... When did I eat corn? <laughs> yeah, this time of year, it's not a, not very confusing in August. No. It's yeah. like... When January... But when, you're like, yeah, you're like, well, what? You don't crack open a can of corn in January? Freezing no. some right now for January. Yeah. Only the good stuff, right? Fresh. You just eat it for every meal for two weeks. You don't need it in January. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Tried it in an air fryer. It was pretty decent. 
Oh, yeah. 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 Air fryer. Didn't dry it out too much. This guy tells me it, at least it once did a dry week it I'm out. on his air fryer. It did dry. I tried your cheese curds too in there, Max. Those Redwood Farms. Those Red, were that's awesome. the ticket. Redwood yeah. Farms. Where like do you get those? Woodman's. Don's has them too, man. It's Don's apparently. Frozen? I had, I had problems. I did mozzarella sticks in air fryer once, and it just like all of a sudden the cheese started oozing Oozing out, and then it sticks to that like kind of basket. Yeah, "Mm." there's a fine line of there's a very small window with cheese. Yes, cheese. Actually, my jalapeno poppers, I always go too long, and they explode in the cream cheese. What's your Redwood Farms time and temperature? I don't remember. Well, I was three fifty for eight minutes, and at four minutes, you gotta take out the basket and shake it. Shake it. I don't know if that does anything. It just makes me feel good. just makes you feel better. Yeah. Well, you get the bottom ones on top. I, I think it kind of, yeah, sorts stuff around. The corn was a long time. Though. It was like 390 for 18 minutes with two cobs in there. Uh-huh. So was that, Do you husk the cob or do you leave the husk out? I did, but I think it would have been better probably with the husk because it kind of like that's yeah I, I figured it would dry out but yeah if you leave the husk on <laughs> but like, how did we get to air fryer you guys are talk? so old <laughs> no but like, like just want to talk about air fryer stuff <laughs> but like microwave and corn i think is better than air fry like if you want something quick and easy to like three minutes yeah do it in the microwave Welcome like to paula the dean's podcast yeah, <laughs> the, air, the air fryer was not as quick and easy as i thought i know i have no problem waiting a couple minutes for it to well, boil Hey, when we talk about corn dry downs and the new method using an air fryer instead of a yeah. coster tester, that's that's next episode, Max. We're just leading into it. So anyway, starch method is they got this equation UW has where you kind of punch in, you know, if you got 33% starch content in your silage, and then that kind of figures out how much pounds of starch would be in there, which starch is your grain. Um, and then that has a sort of a bunch of factors and you divide by 0.72 and then divide by your, uh, you know, they got all this thing. And then basically like in this, in this particular example, they got 33% starch equals 170 bushel per acre corn. So kind of an interesting other way, especially for how much feed samples we do take now um, that you could use to sort of base and find another way to find your grain equivalent. Um, just a different method. Maybe want to use even multiple methods just to kind of see if they all kind of come back to the similar thing or or this, not. But this new one doesn't help us at all in the field, though. It helps us zero in the field, right? I mean, that's right. A, that's true, Max. It's that's really the, like, that's the it's, catch on this one. It doesn't help you as you're purchasing to be like, okay, this should yield about this much. Yeah, but if you know, like, if you this one might work better if you're selling it though, because. You know the percent starch in your feed sample, and you know how many tons you harvested if you're weighing it, right? It could, right. So then you could convert it to bushels per acre better if that's but what you're paying. If on. we're weighing it, then we're usually just paying by the ton. True. It's not a problem. Yeah. It's the guys who aren't weighing where we got to rely that's on That's true. The starch contact would be hard, too, if you had sort of a, a really good plant and a poor cob. Yeah. Obviously, then you're going to, whoever you're buying it from is going to get, the seller is going to get kind of screwed because it's going to be sort of better, you know, the tonnage would kind of be better than what it is. I think we can still put the disclaimer on here, should put the disclaimer on here, like that weighing and taking a sample of every wagon is still the best way it, right. to do well, it. Like, but, but, but what I'm getting at is, yes, I agree, but they still need then with that tonnage to base it on some sort of silage equivalent. You usually take, you know, seven times the current corn price. That's right. your silage price. Well, that's still this factor. Right. Yeah. But I agree with you is weighing it is always the best. That if we part can. Of, there's so much 
fudging that could happen if you just counted loads or just went out and hand checked corn versus like weighing it is still the best way to really know because right. who knows and be the, the fairest consistent right every time and, right yeah. to and be the fairest to both the buyer and seller and we we do still need these yield estimates to be some they're still even if you are weighing they're still important because you know if, if we're off by 20 bushels on every field well that could be an extra for some guys that's an extra 40 or 100 acres that they have to come up with right right because we're, we're short that many tons it's like you know it kind of helps us estimate you know we're going to weigh every load so we know exactly how much to pay everybody but we need to know do we need to buy a thousand acres do we need to buy 200 acres do we need to buy you know all that kind of stuff so to put it in perspective 150 bushel corn usually about 20 ton corn silage 175 bushel corn about 24 ton and 200 bushel corns about 25 26, 26. Yeah. now that one seems to be where you know the 150 i think we're pretty spot on it's as we get to these 175 it's pretty close to is 200 bushel corn can I mean, it's it is really hard to hit 26 ton corn yeah. silage yeah. and that's what i was sort of getting at a little bit earlier is you know on 200 bushel corn versus 175 bushel corn the the plant is usually pretty much the same. You know, that doesn't bring you much more. The, and that's about the curve cob, gets yeah. pretty flat once we start getting over that like one eighty line. Yeah. The curve right. flattens quite a bit in general. Right. But the cob gets bigger. So it's it's that's the line where it does get a little bit trickier or different. But I've seen it, you know, where the plant can be huge. I mean, we've seen hundred and fifty bushel corn on a really crappy plant too that doesn't ton up. So I I mean it it it's just got a little bit of fudge factor, but if you're, if, what do you guys use? What do you think the right number is? I've been using seven and a half a lot this year, um, but I think probably it needs to jump just a little bit because I think, you know, our, I, I think silage yields are going to be down a little bit with just the way plants look right now um, compared to cobs. Some of the plants look better than the cobs really are, so got to kind of. I'm with Max. I use seven and a half a lot. That's I do about, yeah. use seven sometimes. It just seems like. It can, you know, depending on how that plant looks and... Yeah, you got to make a judgment call. I mean, like Max just said, you might have a really good-looking plant and a crappy-looking cob, or the other way around, a crappy-looking cob and a really... Or what did I say? <laughs> I just confused myself. But anyway, you know, one... You might have a 150-bushel cob on a three-foot plant, and it's just like six inches off the I mean, ground... Which I think we're going to have some of that this year, there, but there's there's companies and you've heard seed dealers say it before. This is an ugly corn, right? Yeah, right. this corn only gets eight feet tall, no matter what you do. Right, but it'll throw a two hundred yep. bushel ear. Well, you can't run that the same factors. Everything else is no. just not right. it's not realistic. Yep, and I do think Max, you're right. This year, there's a lot of good looking plants, and the ears just are like, oh, that's only sixteen round. Like, yeah. thought it was going to be eighteen or twenty based on the cob above my head and the you know, going to be yeah, the, the, 12 foot tall. The, the three foot tall plant that's 14 by 26, like that's what we're, that's, that's normal, right? It's these 12 foot plants that are 16 by 30 and you're yeah. like, ooh, that's not really supposed to be like that. That's where the factor starts to really like, you got to kind of use, you know what corn silage is too. Like you've looked at enough corn silage right, now that you know, know what it that's, should be. That's the thing when you, when I punch in the numbers and all of a sudden I get a 28 ton yield and you look at the corn you just you you know if if it's going to be that and then there's times where i get punched in and it says 15 or something low it seems like around that 20 to 22 range you can 
tell whether it's better than that or worse than that. Yeah. You know, just sort of by look and by... 20 to 22 seems to be, like, the uh, base range for silage. Like, that's I, where we're just, like, we're kind of hanging there. Like, that's your average to slightly above. So anything above or below that is kind of, like, an outlier, I guess. Right. It, yeah, it, I would agree. It looks different. You know, like, hey, that's way better or way worse than 20, 20 to 22 ton. One other thing to think about is if for the buyer and the seller, just agree on that ratio you know ahead of yeah. buying it so you know what it what it is and there's going to be times where you know like we said with this research it was between like three and 12 so bushels per ton so there's gonna be times where the buyer is going to get you know not not have the is it it's going to be more fair for the buyer and there's gonna be times where it's more fair for the seller just depending on the year and how it goes and even um, corn price right if you if you figure on a higher factor in the corn price, you know, you might, that might change too based on what the, what the corn price is too because your factor is going to lessen that put that tons per acre if it's higher factor. Plug here for the uh, local extension office. They always have some great guides to buying and selling corn silage and for, forages in general. So right. mm-hmm. your, your forage Even council or your uh, your local extension office should Just to try to make it, yeah, fair for both the buyer and seller because it is, it's, like I said, this is there's a fudge factor in there. There's a little bit of a, you know, it's not perfect science to convert. We're, these are very they're you, different things you when you're taking com- the whole plan. You are literally comparing apples and oranges. Like yes. they're not the same. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Max, that's a great point. Of like, we're trying to get apple yield by using oranges, and it just doesn't the, always. The work. word estimate cannot be emphasized yes. enough <laughs> yes. in this situation. All right, so there you go. If you're looking at selling some corn silage or just want to know how to figure out your own yields, that's kind of the way we do it. Some different options there. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So you may wonder, what do lumber prices and cheese prices have to do with one another at all? And so today we're in our spotlight look at why Epic Lumber Surge sent cheese prices to a 15-month low. So cheese prices are sitting at a current 15-month low, and lumber is partly to blame thanks to quirky price dynamics of the cheese industry. As lumber soared, some enterprising cheesemakers are adapting the high prices to the high prices by using barrels instead of wooden boxes. But cheese barrels aren't quite the keg-shaped wooden vessels one might imagine, so <clears throat> the change in how they transport has made a glut of processed cheese in the market send price down to $1.31 per pound for a 500-pound barrel, which is the lowest price since 2020. So long well, time ago, guys. Well, but it was really low in yeah. the pandemic, you know, March of 2020. <laughs> but yeah, I thought I just always feel for dairy producers because it feels like any random thing will send it down and a, you a need like inconvenience in the market yeah crashes like well like a bear like a packaging thing right and it, it is not a literal barrel it's just a plastic bag or corrugated box that is equivalent to that that weight apparently so they stopped using lumber because lumber was expensive instead of a cheese box now you might this christmas be getting a cheese bag a cheese bag shocks doesn't sound <laughs> the same i got you a cheese bag this year 
I do think, uh, I, I guess one thing to be hopeful for here is uh, it sounds like most schools are going to return to in-person this fall. And that should actually, that's an insane help to the uh, processed yes. cheese market. Yes. Even just milk. Yeah, just fluid milk and all that. That too. too. Fluid milk consumption is going to go up yeah. a ton by kids being back in school. Which, I wonder, do they do like milk? You guys had like milk hour, milk break milk at break, school. Yeah. They still have milk break. Yeah, do they yeah. do that in like Florida? They have milk break at 9 uh, o'clock? I, I doubt it. You're right. It's Wisconsin And thing. it's probably orange juice break. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, all oranges are dead in Florida, so it's not orange juice. <laughs> Do you remember, were you guys ever the milk helpers? Did you get to go down and get the milk for everybody? Yeah. Oh yeah, they rotated through. That was They'd awesome. Like two kids every day to and go. To we had fresh bread too. Uh, what? What? Yeah. It was the best. Yeah, like legitimately, they like baked fresh it that morning. They like a watery peanut butter that was yeah, it was awesome, watery. But now they can't butter. have that because of kids peanut, with peanut allergies. Well, yeah, that was the like default at lunch was the bread and the yeah. peanut butter. If yeah. you didn't like what was for lunch, you just made a sandwich. I remember when we, we used to have that, like at the end of the lunch yeah. line, there was just like a big tub of bread and then the, a thing of peanut butter and a thing of uh, jam, and you could just do that. It sounds like now my kids, the default, uh, every day is like turkey sub. Oh, yeah. Now, like, sure. If you don't like what they have, turkey sub. You can have turkey the sub. default uh, where, I, where I went to high school is pizza. There's always a pizza. Wow. Line. That was college. There was a pizza and pasta There's, room in the day. Uh, the dining center that was like, yep, not going through the line. We're going to go to the pizza pasta room. We always had pizza. So. Big time. It's not, it's not just, yeah. <laughs> it's not the, nothing to be that excited about, trust it's me. It's not Pizza Ranch? No. All right, now we'll go into our egg history minute. Today we're going to do a... A little bit of history about Agco and its mergers with Alice and White. So 30 years ago, Agco Alice was born when the U.S. management of the Deutsche Alice Corporation bought out the North American side of the company and renamed it Agco, the Alice Gleaner Company. The company was first called Gleaner Alice Corporation, then rearranged to be Alice Gleaner Corporation or Agco. Deutsche Alice Line of Tractors was renamed Agco Alice, and Gleaner became its own brand for combines. Agco acquired White in 1991, Massey Ferguson in 1994, Fent in 1997, Caterpillar's Challenger line in 2002, and in 2001, the Agco White and Agco Alice names were dropped in favor of Agco brand. That's confusing. It is. There's a lot of stuff going on there. I always thought it was funny with, Alice Chalmers, Deutz Alice, all the changes that it... Well, really... I, I remember there was a brief period where Agco was like orange, like the Alice orange, or like a, yeah. almost like a yellow orange. And then with the white merger, then all of a sudden Agco's were the silver or green. Yeah. Because there was a few generations of the whites with the Agco name on it. But they... Yeah, it's I think just of like their, a changing their color scheme color quite identity a bit, yeah. that they had to figure out of being green. And it's not like John Deere has been green, green for a forever. long time. I mean, they were orange at one time a long, long time ago. Yeah. But for the last probably 80 years, they've been John Deere green. I found a commercial from 1994. That must have been peak, like, Echo. Because yeah. then, too, look where their mergers is when they were discontinuing, discontinuing 01, like, from, like, 95 on they're they're just kind of slowly falling off the wagon but it was is a total 90s commercial it's 
good radio without sound. It's not working. Yeah. Uh oh. Oh good, no. Good when the when the sound doesn't work. Wah, wah, wah. We'll Sad. come back to it. All right. You probably would have had to. I think it was probably defaulting to the HDMI so, versus. Oh uh, yeah. So who so who had an Alice Chalmers tractor? That's what I learned to drive tractor on. That's what I learned to hand clutch. My Todd, wa- my one oh yeah, for sure, hand clutch. One grandpa was all white except for a couple Minneapolis Moline, and my other grandpa was Oliver. So your one grandpa was white till the end. Yep, still is the farm, right? Yep, mostly they've got uh, I think a Massey, and I don't know if he's still got the the old Minneapolis Molines. Well, but all we have left from the farm equipment is uh, is an Alice Chalmers one eighty five baby. Nice. Yep. It's more of what people are learning to expect from Agco Alice. Nine new high horsepower tractors, the most advanced you'll find, with a completely integrated package of outstanding design concepts and operator advantages. Nine new models ranging from 135 to 215 PTO horsepower, uniquely designed to fit today's farming needs. Nine new models with a world-class 18-speed full-power shift transmission as standard equipment. Nine new models with distinctive new styling and a cab you'll want to tell your neighbor about. Take a look from the operator's perspective. At the very first glance, you'll notice something special about these handsomely styled tractors. They're beautifully sculptured works of art with a deep, rich finish of brilliant orange. The gracefully sloped hood invites a totally uninterrupted, unobstructed panoramic view through solar-tinted glass. It's a 9690. While the view is terrific, the ride has been greatly improved. This was before they went to the the blue tint windows that they had for a few years. It's a long video. Oh, it's like 30-some minutes of really, yeah, Eggco Alice Beauty. I like to like changes where they go, yeah. Yeah, these are the orange, the 94 series for the, the Alice Orange. I remember we used to have a Deutz Alice round baler that was green. Yep. Like the yep. Li- it wasn't like a dark, it was like a lime green kind of. We had a field Deutz cultivator. Deutz, oh, uh, yeah. Carl col- just sold that. Yeah. That was a nice field cultivator, actually. Wow. So you got to go to YouTube and Eggco Alice 96. We, we still have an Alice uh, quack digger. Nice. nice. The power, power shift. shift. Yeah. So if you like Alice, go to YouTube, search it. You'll like this video. <laughs> All right, if you like our podcast, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer's friend to subscribe. You search Tilth Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts and click click the subscribe button. If you're on Android, we like Podcast Addict. There's also Podbean or Player FM. And there you can do the same thing. Just search Tilth Talk Radio. And to listen to our podcast in other ways on your computer or on a smartphone browser, go to tilthag.com slash podcast. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. Please just tell a farmer friend. You're sounding a little desperate, Todd. We we easy, are desperate, easy, man. Easy, man. Easy, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for some current events with Cool Beans. That's corny. So, Cool Beans, Cool Beans, Cool Beans, Cool Beans, Cool Beans. Our Cool Beans this week. DBA, or the Dairy Business Association, is thanking Governor Evner, Evers, Eveners. Eveners 
for added financial support for farmers. The state will disperse $50 million more dollars in help for the recovery from the pandemic. The money will be dispersed as direct payments through the Wisconsin Farm Support Program, which was created in 2020 when allocating $50 million to farmers from the federal Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, or the CARES Act. New funds will come from money allocated to the state earlier this year through the American Rescue Plan Act. So there you go. More support for agriculture through the state and federal funding. Our That's Corny for this week. Port problems continue as single COVID-19 case partially shutters the world's third largest port in... Drumroll, please. Sorry. China. <laughs> so, yeah, here we are. Pack with China. Keep, keep bringing up China and that's corny. It's weird. There's a tweet from Arlen <clears throat> Suderman. It says, China shut down one of the biggest ports in the world due to one positive COVID case, according to the reports. Which that was what was shocking to me. Of so the Mishan Terminal, which is the halted services shipments to the United States and Europe. Chinese government halted inbound and outbound container services on Wednesday, August 11th, after reports say a single employee tested positive. Bill, and I think this is where our soil sample bags are. Yeah. <laughs> the lab said there's like a shortage of, well, I don't know if shortage is the right word, but they... Cannot get their shipments of soil. I didn't realize bags. bags or soil sample bags are made in China. I didn't know either. So the this is the latest port problem that comes less than two months after a COVID nineteen outbreak impacted ports in southern China. At that time, it was forecast the issue would take at least a couple months to clear, but would have have a linger effect for months. So the longer it stays shut, yeah, the more I'm just going to keep adding to some of all these those. Issues. All those pickup truck uh, yeah, chips. microchips are yeah. in there, too. All right. Well, that'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. And thank you all for listening. Today we talked about converting grain estimates to silage estimates for corn. In our spotlight, we looked at the connection from lumber prices and how that affected cheese price. Egg History Minute, we talked about the history of Eggco Alice. Cool Beans was DBA er, thankful to Governor Evers for distributing egg aid. And our That's Corny was more issues in China due to coronavirus shutting down ports. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.